Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode six. Six. We did it. We did it. We did six. Man, I'm so excited. We've been getting the best feedback and uh, write-ins and Instagrams and uh, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's so nice. Uh, it's so nice to hear from you guys and um, and thank you for being so kind. And uh, if you ever want to say something that's not kind, um, just email us. <laughs> you don't have to tell everybody else. You can just tell us if we're open. I know we haven't had any, um, unkind. Th- I always expect that like when you're putting your, uh, work out into the internet land that you're going to have people like you're the worst. Oh yeah. Did I, did I tell you how, so when I first started comedy, I had these viral videos, oh, or yeah. these videos that went viral. Uh-huh. They were, um, they're still out there. Feel free to look them up. They're called the suburban housewife. Raps. They're so funny. They're embarrassing and um but I there I discovered I mean they went it was like in the early days of YouTube when like a million views could be like you're YouTube famous you know yeah and but I discovered an entire page on this like men's website was just devoted to talking about my video what and the whole thing was them discussing whether they would or would not would me so they called it would they called it would and uh, and they decided they would not, but uh, they, I would. Thank you. They all thought I had nice hoots. That was the description. What? Yeah. What language are they using? I don't know. I Woods can't remember what it was on, but it was Rella. like one. Of, yeah, it was yeah. horrifying. I mean, it was like one of those things where it was so. I mean, there were probably like a hundred comments. Oh my god! Of dude, them going the back and forth. Is crazy. Yeah, I got a lot of hate mail. For that one, for those videos, do they not realize that it's a joke? A lot of people didn't realize it was a you joke, even or a that mother it was, or a housewife. Yeah. when you made the video, it's a joke. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people who were like, "I don't appreciate you cussing," or "I don't like that you're talking about drugs." No one should treat their kids like that. And I'm like, "Well, first, it's a character. B, I don't um, have kids. Like, <laughs> C, get the fuck out of here." I told one lady, I was like, "I mean, I just think cussing is funny." If you if you don't take it seriously, see, go fuck yourself. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it is funny. Um, and she was like, "I love, I love Lucy." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." Um, okay, well, that's so that. Anyway, you guys have been nice. Thank you for being so nice. Thank, keep being nice. Uh, okay, so let's get to our quickies. Okay. I okay. Did you ever waitress, Jen? Oh, I waitressed a lot. Oh, me too. A lot, a lot. What What do you think was like the dream of every waitress? Like my when I waitressed, the dream was to, to get w- cut first. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> to be like, I've done all my side work. I've rolled all my, <laughs> I've rolled 50,000 <laughs> pairs of uh, utensils. Um, no, to like wait on someone who was like either famous or rich, like secretly rich, and that they would leave you a huge tip. Oh, yeah. Right? Like an unexpected huge tip that was like, I felt like, I feel like that's like the, um, like the silly, what's it called? Like silly pasta, where it's like an urban legend. Too silly, huh? What? Like you ever like an urban legend called silly pasta? It's just no. like it's like something that's everybody talks about, but nobody has actually experienced. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So like there was like always rumors of people who got like, oh my god, they got a hundred dollar tip on a ten dollar bill. And I've got, I've gotten that before. Oh, okay. Well, I'm yeah. just like really uh, likable. <laughs> <laughs> I used to wear, I worked at this place called Cozy Mills when I was like summers off from college and we had to wear ties and I would wear a Purdue tie, which is where I went to college so that people would be like, oh, you're, you're in college. I'd be like, yes, I'm working. You know, I'm just here for the oh, summer. So like so smart, I'm, dude. Oh my God. I didn't, I never got a big tip, but I did. I met this couple who they came in all the time and they were like, oh my gosh, our son is going to be a freshman at Purdue. Can we give him your email address? And I was like, okay. And then um, we ended up making out a couple times when he got back to school. So I guess that's kind of a big tip, but that's a great tip. Yeah. So this is, um, this, my story is like a couple weeks ago there in the news, there was a story about a waitress who got a $5,000 tip on a $50 bill or $50 tab. 
Um, and so the story was like the waitress, her name was Ryan. She worked at the Clear Sky Beachside Cafe in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And she was so grateful. I mean, obviously, it oh, would yeah. be amazing. But she was like, on top of that, she's like, I had a horrible week. I had oh. to put my dog down. I have oh. all these bills for my dog's sickness. And so this could not have come at a better time. So that was like the first news story that came out. Wow. Um, so then it turns out that the tip wasn't just the result of like a generous soul or like a celebrity who's like looking for some good PR. It was actually from this woman named Serena Wolf who was out for revenge. <gasps> so wait, she didn't know who gave her the tip. She just thought she just got this like random. Yeah. She was like, got the, didn't you know, know who it was from. No, she didn't know the woman. She just, it just, came. Oh, okay. Right. So, um, I mean, I think she knew, oh, this is the person. The, the lady, person was gone. But she didn't know her name or nothing. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, Serena, it turns out, was pissed at her boyfriend um, because he wouldn't let her use his credit card to buy a plane ticket uh, back to upstate New York, which is where she was from. I don't know if she was, like, living in Florida or if she was visiting Florida, but either way, he was like, no, you can't use my credit card to buy a plane ticket. And so he actually put a hold on his credit card to stop her from buying the plane ticket. But as soon as he lifted the hold, she went to this cafe had a meal and put a five thousand dollar tip Why on it. Why didn't she just go buy a plane ticket? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it I mean, I don't get her train of thought, but I also think it's awesome. I do too. I was like, <laughs> good for her. And so when she, when the boyfriend confronted her, was like, I have this fifty five five thousand fifty dollar bill, and she was like, No, it wasn't me. So he reported it as fraud to the credit card, who checked out the story. And then also noticed that this was in the news and then arrested Serena for, um, she charged her with grand theft. Oh, God. Isn't that crazy? So the waitress, but she'd already been tipped out by the restaurant. And so it's unclear whether she's going to like. Have to pay it back Have to not. pay it back. Yeah. Wow. And you should see the mugshot of the woman, Serena. She's just kind of like, mm? <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, just very, it's really funny. Like it, I, it totally, she's just like a 20 something. Oh my and God. And she just looks like, I mean, wouldn't Stella. you do it? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Oh, that's going on our Instagram for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh my god! Um, oh my god! That's awesome. I feel like I don't know. I th- I think that it's awesome that she did that. Sucks that she got arrested, but I also think that that's just t- she deserves to get arrested. That's oh such yeah, a wrong thing to do. Like it's hilarious, but yeah. yeah, I mean it's. I mean, one I can see both sides. Like if you got a five thousand dollar charge on your credit card, you'd right. be like, uh, no, I can't afford that. And then also, but man, if you got that five thousand dollar tip. Like, I was just saying, I mean, you know, even now, not like $5,000 is a ton of money. Like, yeah. how, like, I'm like, that, I could think of so many ways I could pay off some bills with that. <laughs> like, I hope that the credit card companies just covered it and considered it a loss so that the girl, like, didn't, because she was innocent. And if yeah. she, like, went ahead and paid all of her dog's bills and, you know, paid off everything right. and then was forced to pay it back, like, that would suck. Or at least maybe so. the restaurant for some good PR, like, gave her the money. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I, I don't know. This actually just happened. So this was so – I don't know what the follow-up is. It was wow. – I'll, I'll let you guys know in a future. Oh, yes. can I say one thing about yes. um, a quickie that I – I told a couple episodes ago. Yes. Um, I got something very wrong. So I, it's the one with the manure where the husband spread manure right to write out happy birthday to his wife. And I said it was 120 pounds of manure, but it was actually 120,000 pounds of manure, which I think makes the story a lot better. Oh, and yeah. makes more sense. Wow. Did anybody like call you out on it? And they were like, there's no way that was enough manure. I know. <laughs> Manure. I mean, I've been. And I call bullshit. (laughs) Get it? No, it's cow shit. I call cow shit. Um, Yes, somebody did call me out. It was my husband Ben. (laughs) I was like, who I told the story to before, and he was like, I think you meant to say one hundred and twenty thousand, and I was like, did I not say that? He's like. No, <laughs> it's funny because I was prepared to, and I'll do it at the end of the show when we do something dumb and something we love. But on something dumb, I've got some corrections too that my husband called me out on. So oh, really? Yeah. Well, at least they're at least they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you have a quickie? Um, yes, I do. Okay, um, Sally, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Um, well, I think I would. I, my my immediate answer is High Fidelity. 
Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think that's like my go-to answer. Okay. Now what if Ben said that he just did not like that movie? What would you do? I'd be like, all right. You just wouldn't care? No. Okay. Well, okay. This leads me to my quickie. In uh, 2014, it was reported that on a Japanese message board called, here we go, uh, Aikikonsha no Hakaba. Oh, yeah. I've been I there. did it. Uh, which translates to the gravesite of married people. Um, a user um, on the message board reached out for advice and guidance uh, when his wife of six years filed for divorce. Uh, what had happened was his wife had recently seen the movie Frozen with a friend and instantly became obsessed. She was like, this is my favorite movie. Oh, and then I'm going to let him go. Yeah. Well, oh, let yeah. Him go. oh, bring all your Frozen puns. Because <laughs> there's going to, I'm sure there will be more. Um but yeah, so she went and saw the movie uh, Frozen and instantly became obsessed, just like every other child in the world. Um, so she saw it, but this was a grown ass woman. Um, she saw it in the theater multiple times, and then um, she insisted that her husband view it with her. She was like, You gotta, you gotta you're gonna love this. this. I'm telling you, it's, it's important the- to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so um, after the movie ended, and you know, she couldn't wait to talk to her husband about like, you know, oh yeah. my God, what do you think? What do you think? For hours about how uh, good the movie was. Um, you can only imagine her disappointment when his reaction was just, it was okay. And he said that he, quote unquote, didn't really care for it personally. Yeah, because um, it's for children. Yes. And um, and also, um, this is an interesting part of the story, is he actually majored in Danish literature. <laughs> <laughs> And performed a research project on the material that inspired the movie. So he was kind of like, mm. it just doesn't compare. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's realistic. not the original. I read it's the not book. At all. Um, <laughs> I like the book better. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically, she uh, flipped her fucking shit, and um, and she said, um, "If you can't understand what makes this movie great, there's something wrong with you as a human being." <laughs> I've been there before where okay. I'm like, if something is really funny and then I'll share it with my husband, if he doesn't think that it's funny, I'm just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and like, why are you just, are you just mad today? Like, why are, do you not think, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he'll do that with me too. Like for, this is the dumbest thing, but he has this like protein powder. I don't like it. I don't like to push it. <laughs> I don't like the taste of it. I don't like it in my smoothie. He keeps trying to like hide it into foods and be like, I'll like catch me and be like, so you love it. And I'm like, I don't like it. And I, I don't, don't want need it to taste like chocolate to you. Yes. I don't like the taste of like artificial, you know, that like artificially yes. sweet protein powder. Taste? Yes. I do not I like hate it. it. Anyway. Um, so he's like, I'm just trying to bulk you up, Jen. Yeah, dude. I don't want to be bulked. Um, so anyway, so she immediately said that she wanted a divorce. Um, and on the message board, he said that, you know, she won't now won't talk to him directly and they only mediate through her parents. And then, um, the couple did ended up, uh, did end up getting a divorce. I feel like there may be some other thing reason behind that. Yeah. Like maybe she found her own. I've never seen Frozen. Olaf, Olaf, is that a person in there? Olaf, I'm pretty sure, is the snowman. (laughs) (laughs) She found her own snowman. She found her own snowman. Uh, Kristoff was the dude that she ended up with. That's what I meant. She found her own Kristoff. But yeah, it sounds like she was just wanting an excuse. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you are picking a fight and you're like, oh, well, this wasn't about you not putting your dish in the dish. This was about something else. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, you know how like when you're trying to, you really connect with a song mm-hmm. and you want, you're like, oh, I love these lyrics and they're so meaningful and you want someone else to sit down and listen to it, but they never, like, they're like, you I feel like you can't, you can't force music <laughs> you're like, right, do you hear, do you hear this? Do you hear how that's so poetic? Like, I feel like it never translates. There's nothing more uncomfortable than sitting down with someone that's making you listen to something. Yes. And you're like, they're like looking expectantly yeah. at you and you're just like, I don't, I mean, it's like, fine. Like, just send it to me in a file <laughs> and I'll listen to it later and then I'll tell you, but you cannot be in the same room no, or house. Yeah, Ben, Ben used to torture me by, um, 
he would just read my tweets out loud to, to me. You? Like he would be like, oh, this is this is a funny one. And I'd be like, you can't do that. You cannot read those while I'm here. It's so horrible. Yeah. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Uh, you know how there's that show, Snap Killer Couples? Oh, the, our favorite Our show. favorite show. <laughs> well, this one is not from that. It's not? <laughs> no. Wow. This story actually comes courtesy of my across-the-street neighbor, whose name is Pate. Pate? Pate. It's Pate. Uh, He's amazing. He has like the same Southern voice that I use when I'm doing like an impression of my mom on stage, which she does not sound like that actually, but it's like real super Southern. And I swear it sounds like I'm making fun of him, but that is actually how he sounds. Like he... He's like, he's probably like my parents' age. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, he's divorced. He has grown kids. He has a dog named Boehner. Oh, my. Um, because he's a Boston Terrier. And when we first moved over, he like came over to tell us like all the gossip about, oh, about God, the neighborhood. I love neighbors. Yes. And yeah. he was like, I mean, it was so funny because he's like, you know what the best thing about this neighborhood is, Sally? <laughs> and I was like, what is he going to say? And he goes, it's diversity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he like, you have partners on this side and partners on that side. Oh, I love Pete. <laughs> I know. He's so great. He like, like when our moving van came and it was just Ben and I and then Max like running around, uh-huh. he like came over and worked all morning. Just like didn't say anything, just came over and started like unloading the truck. Oh, like, God, let's do something for him. He's so great. So um, like he, he always says to me, um, he's like, Sally, if you stay here long enough, you're going to become a Georgia peach and Max is going to become a Bubba boy. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> um, so the other day Pete sees me at my mailbox and he like walks over and he has this big roll of paper in his hand. And it's like, obviously he's been like waiting for me to come out. Like he was like, okay. He's like, Sally, I heard you were a writer and I'm going to be, and I'm trying to write a book. And I just, <gasps> about my grandfather who was killed. And I wondered if you take a look at it. And so he had, it was a news story. Dude, he secreted this to you. Just <laughs> this, telling. Yeah. So he, okay. so he's like, wanted me to take, like, he told me kind of was like telling me about the story of his grandfather who was killed. Um, and he wants me to like look at it to see if I could maybe write something about it. Um, and it's a pretty amazing story. But so this is that story. So, okay. okay. So Pete's grandmother, Sylvia Faulkner, was born in a cabin in the mountains in North Georgia in Hall County in the late 1800s. And her cabin faced the railroad tracks. And every day for years as a child and then as like a young woman, she would stand on the steps and wave to the engineer of the one train that would pass by the house. And then the train engineer would wave back. And that was kind of all the contact they had for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So that train engineer, his name was Arthur Hawkins. And he was also from North Georgia, a little bit further in the mountains. And he was like at the point where he was like ready to quit his railroad job. And he wanted to settle down and start a family. And he was like, you know, really ready to like, he wanted to settle in the hills. He wanted, he wanted a life. He wanted a family. He was a very religious man. And there was a bridge over the creek that the train had to cross. Um, And it was, it was rickety. It was falling apart. It had never been considered safe. And one day the engine that Arthur was, um, was in crashed through it. And he was badly burned. And so then the community, the people who rescued him, took him to the nearest house, which belonged to Sylvia, um, the girl who'd waved to him all of those years. And so this was like their first face-to-face meeting. And she nursed him back to health. And pretty soon they were engaged. And then they were married by a justice of the peace who rode in on horseback from the nearby town of Belton. This is your crazy story, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> You're like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sally? <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Arthur bought a few acres of land with his railroad savings, and they built a house, and then they had three children, Bessie, Howard, and then the youngest, Harold, who was Pete's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and they farmed their land. They did pretty well. Arthur became the superintendent of the Crossroads Sunday School, and they had like a seemingly pretty happy life. Um, but then in 1912, um, tragedy struck, and Arthur was found dead, shot in the head behind the corn crib on their farm. Um, and people in the community had heard the shot at twilight, and they knew someone was dead. Oh, no. The sheriff who came to investigate was sure that he knew who did it. There was, like, no question. So a few years earlier, a pair of brothers had moved into the community. Um, They were called the Cantrells. 
and they were described as handsome, dashing mountaineer types. Um, And Arthur befriended them, and he urged them to come to a Sunday school, um, but they never came. And he started noticing, they lived like just over the hill from um, Arthur and Sylvia, and he noticed that men would arrive at their home and then leave with mysterious packages and soon came to like realize that they were moonshiners. Oh. Um, So he went to their home one night and he pleaded with them to stop. He prayed with them and the brothers just laughed and they called him a sky pilot. Which is? I don't know. Okay. Like, uh, my dad was one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, literally, but I don't know. I, I meant to look it up. But they said he ought to be down in the city where they need religion the most. Um, so Arthur kind of was really distraught. Like he, he, he couldn't get the brothers to stop. So he actually went to the local revenues office and reported the other older brother, Jim Cantrell, um, for moonshining. And so this act started a feud between Arthur and the brothers and that it, it spread in the community. So people actually began to like start taking sides. Um, and that's why when Arthur was found dead, no one even like questioned who did it. The two brothers, um, Jim and Bartow, who was just 16 years old, were instantly arrested. Oh, geez. So soon though, there was another arrest and this time it was Sylvia who was arrested. His wife. Yes. Arthur's wife. And, um, Pete's, Pete's grandma. So this is when another picture of Arthur's murder begins to emerge. Oh, my gosh. So rumors began flying around that Jim Cantrell and Sylvia had been having an affair, that while Arthur was working in the fields, Jim would come to their home. And it was said that Arthur began to suspect that, and that is actually where the feud started from. Oh, it had nothing to do with... It had nothing life. to do with the moon... They were moonshiners, but that that was not why there was a feud between right. Um, So the Cantrells and Sylvia were brought to trial in Hall County very quickly, and Sylvia pled not guilty. And then um, Bartow, who was the youngest brother, stood up and pled guilty. And he said, (gasps) I did it, and I'll tell you why. Oh. So then he proceeds to tell the judge and everyone in court that he had killed Arthur Hawkins on the order of Sylvia and his brother Jim. The news, the news article that I got all of this from, that's, this is what the big scroll that Pete had with him. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was like he microfished it. Oh, <laughs> it's like I, re- I used to love like when you went to the library yes. and got to use those. Oh my machines. gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it. I loved doing that kind of research, but yeah, so this was, it, it was a printout from like a giant microfish machine and, um, so, it, I mean, but the article is just amazing. It has so much like colorful language and I mean, as like. An editor, I it like makes me crazy because I like hate over descriptive stuff. But as like a reader, I'm just like, wow, they really had license to kind of describe stuff however they wanted. Like wow. they described Bart as a youngster, stalwart of frame and leather fibered. Leather fibered. <laughs> yeah. And it says he told of his own victimization at the hands of a brother's evil influence and of the brother's lust to satisfy, even through murder, a love as illicit as the moonshine he was rumored to have brewed. That, that was, sounds like a snapped writer, like a snapped right? writer wrote that. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> um, so he tells the court that Jim um, had sent him to wait for Arthur behind the corn crib. Um, and Bart said that when he shot Arthur, he was instantly sorry. Okay, oh. And this is, a, this is a quote from the article, and it's like in dialect. So I'm going to try to read it. But I, this is... Read I'm, it Okay. I looked at him and I run. I didn't know what I was going to do next, and I didn't seem to care, except to get away and get away quick. I felt like I ought to go back and shoot Jim and maybe do the and maybe the good Lord would feel better towards me for even him up matters. I'd shot a man that had never harmed a hair on my head, and after I'd done it, I was damn sorry I did. So that's what Bart said in court. Well, you did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the jury went out for was they were all like people from the it's all men from the community and they came back they were out for only an hour and forty minutes and they came back with a guilty verdict for each defendant but they had a recommendation for of mercy for Sylvia she was just twenty two at the time um, and at the sentencing at her sentencing Sylvia didn't even flinch when the judge ordered life imprisonment for her. But when the judge sentenced both Jim and Bart Cantrell to hang, there was a cry from the defense table, and Sylvia fainted. Wow. So all of three of them are brought back to jail. And this is a very small community. um, And so there's just one jail. And Sylvia's there. 
uh, the two brothers are there too. And so the next day after the sentencing, Sylvia was brought the news that her mother had died that night from grief. And her father, who was watching all three of her children, sent a message that he couldn't handle all three of them, especially the youngest, Harold, who was Pete's grandfather, um, or who Pete's father, sorry. And he was only two at the time, and he needed like constant attention, as two-year-olds do. And so Sylvia asked for Harold to come live with her at the jail. And they said, okay. And so that is actually where Pete's dad lived for two years. And he would squeeze in and out of the bars and run, like have free run of the jail. And apparently he became like this mascot of the prison. And this like little two-year-old running around a prison. Oh my gosh, yeah. wow. Like one of the toughest prisoners made everyone quit, quit smoking so that Harold wouldn't pick up the habit. And and he actually was the last child ever to be allowed to live in jail with the mother in like, I don't know if just in the state of Georgia or if in the whole country. Um, so the the two Cantrells were, were hung and um, and Sylvia spent her life in jail. And so Pete told me the story. And then as he was leaving, he turned to me and said, now, Sally, I told you my grandfather was killed and that's true, but he wasn't shot. He was hanged. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, so the little boy, so the little boy grew up to do something to be hanged? No. So he's saying his grandfather was the guy. It was the Cantrell. I totally missed that. (laughs) Whoa! Yeah, so he's saying that the littlest kid was actually the son of Jim Cantrell. Whoa, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Did Pete uh, say we could do this story on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) But Pete wants me to write a... Steal his life for her. Pete wants me to write this book for him, so I figured I would test it out on the pod. (laughs) See how it goes over. You guys let me know if you think... If you would read a book about this. I think there's something there. Oh, yeah, there's something there for sure. I would need a lot of uh, research. I would do it maybe in the, like... uh, in like the he was telling the story kind of way, like Pete was telling the yeah, story. Yeah, like Pete's telling the story. Well, and there was something else with it too that I'll have to remember when he was telling it that that at the time it didn't get a lot of press because there was some other big um, murder story happening in Georgia, and I can't remember what it was. So it kind of got swept under the rug because there was this huge other thing happening, and I was like, oh, tie those two together. I was really like my wheels, and Ben was like. You have other projects. You need to finish your book yeah, that you're yeah. working on first. <laughs> like, but yeah. So, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, isn't I it crazy? Love it. Um, so that is Pate's story. Thank you, Pate. Thank you, Pate. Let's bring him some cookies or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Jen, Sally. Do you have a love story for me? I do. I have a very lovely love story. I'm excited. Um, it's well. There's some not nice parts, but it ends nice. And um, this is. I always get really nervous with these. Um, like really important historical love stories because I don't want to mess them up. Um, I know a lot about the story because I've always like loved this story. I yeah. think it's beautiful and it was very important, but I, I'm just uh, bear with me on like all of the court dates and rulings and things. Uh, and well, such. that's how I felt when I did the story of Obergefell, the, the gay marriage one, because yeah, I just like, it's like, it's I want to like do so it right. Important. Yeah. <laughs> Is that so, this, this kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's very um, similar in the sense that they um, it changed the course of history for people okay. wanting to marry. What is it? Okay. So this is the story of the Loving family. Oh, yes. I don't know. You know what? I know the court case from law school, Loving yeah, Virginia. Yeah, because you're a big time lawyer. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't know the um, personal story. I never... I never saw the movie, so I'm excited to hear it. Cool, cool. Okay, so Richard and Mildred Loving were um, a beautiful couple who were very much in love. Um, They had known each other almost their whole lives, and they grew up in the same small town together in Caroline County, Virginia. They started dating when they were teens, um, and on June 2nd, 1958, they went to Washington, D.C. to get married. And the reason that they had to go to Washington um, instead of Virginia to get married instead of in their hometown was that Richard was white and Mildred was part Native American and part African American. And so at the time, interracial marriage was um, legal in Washington, but not legal in the state of Virginia. Um, And actually in 24 other states across the country. Um, In 1958, interracial marriage, 
marriage in Virginia is illegal and punishable by jail. So um, they then, you know, they just kind of thought like, okay, well then we'll just go to this other state to get married and right. then we'll move back home. No big deal. You know, like like a lot of um, couples that got, um, that are um, gay couples went to different states where it was married and then they go back to their home and they live. Yeah. Where that's they, a married couple. Yeah. yeah. I, so that's what they thought that they were doing. Um, so they, and they never really thought that much about the fact that they were um, an inter- interracial couple. Um, you know, because in their town, they grew up, everyone grew up together and everybody like lived peacefully, Yeah, you know, and, and both families were supportive of it. There weren't, you know, the parents were all for it. It was just normal to them. And it, honestly, if it weren't for the government stepping in, um, nobody in the town would have even batted an eye. Right. So she, um, Mildred was actually expecting and they went back to their home in Virginia to like live together happily and peacefully. Um, and then there was a new sheriff in town. I hate that phrase. Um, there was <laughs> a like new, literally, a new literally sheriff. <laughs> a new sheriff. And his name was Sheriff Brooks. Um, um, and it, he was a real, how do you say, asshole? Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Real term. asshole. <laughs> um, and he was known just to be, he was um, just like a real. Like, you know, like dirty dealing. Yeah, just corrupt. Like corrupt, just, and obviously very racist. So, um, and on July 14th, 1958, at 2 a.m., the police came to the Loving's home and broke in the door and they woke up to flashlights in their face. The reason that he did it in the middle of the night was because he was trying to catch them in bed together. Oh, because like, that was illegal. Because that's what, yeah. Um, like, if to have sexual relations was right. what was, and so he was trying to, ca- like, fuck you. And so, anyway, so Sheriff Brooks shined the flashlight. I mean, she was pregnant, right? So they're probably not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, do you know how tired I am? I know. I just got back to sleep after just I peed. <laughs> leave them alone. And so Sheriff Brooks uh, told them that they were under arrest, and he asked Richard why he was sleeping with this woman. And he replied, you know, she's my wife and showed him their marriage certificate that was on the wall of their home. And Sheriff Brooks um, responded like, not here, she's not. And then carted them off to nearby Bowling Green um, and and put them in jail. I so, should I say that there's like no relation. Um, it's oh, Brooks yeah. I noticed no that relation. right when I said <laughs> Sheriff Brooks for the third time. I was like, oh, like Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but not like Sally. Not like Sally. Not like Sally. <laughs> so, um, so they were sentenced to a year of jail, um, or they had to leave the state of Virginia for 25 years. Um, he was able to get bailed out of jail. His sister bailed him out. It was a thousand dollar bond, but the police would not let her get um, uh, bonded out of jail. Um, they told the bond company that if they tried to uh, bail her out, that they would put him back in jail. It's just crazy. Is, and oh, it just makes my blood, blood boil. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, so she, when she was finally out of jail, the couple were then forced to move to Washington, D.C., for um, where they lived for nine years with their three children. They had more children. Yeah. And, um, they had to live in Washington, D.C. And they were told that they could come back to visit, um, but that wasn't true. I've, when they first tried to come home to visit for Easter, they were immediately arrested again. Oh, my God. So, like, yeah, they were just targeting them for no particular reason. Like, you know, just other than racism. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, no, I know the reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they um, they hated living in Washington, D.C. because they lived in the city and there was nowhere for their children to play. Um, one of their young, I, th- I believe it was their youngest son, was actually, like, hit by a car while playing in the street. He's okay, but... Um, it was just, they were just like, we have to get out of here. We right. It's not their home. Yeah. In fact, like they had an acre of land that his father had left to them, but they couldn't even live on it. It was their land, Yeah, but they couldn't even be there. So, you know, Mildred was complaining to her sister about, you know, you know, hating DC and wanting to come back home. And, um, her sister actually suggested like, why don't you write to the then attorney general, uh, Bobby Kennedy, mm-hmm. um, who was, you know, actively involved in the civil rights movement at right. the time. Um, so Mildred and uh, Richard actually weren't at all interested in the civil rights movement. They didn't want to be a mm-hmm. part of anything. They just wanted to go home. Like they weren't yeah. activists. They just wanted to go home. But uh, Bobby 
uh, uh, I shouldn't call him by his first name, uh, <laughs> Robert Kennedy, uh-huh. Sir Robert Kennedy, told them to write to the American Civil Liberties Union, which is the ACLU. Um, and then so they wrote to the ACLU, and on June 20th, 1963, the ACLU assigned volunteer cooperating attorney, attorneys uh, Bernard S. Cohen and Philip J. Hirschkopf, who filed a motion on behalf of the Lovings in the Virginia Caroline Court, uh, County Circuit Court. Um, so they requested that the original criminal judgments against them, um, they requested to have them vacated. Um, on the grounds that Virginia miscegenation statutes ran counter to the 14th Amendment um, equal protection clause. Now, I just have this feeling that you're looking at me with no, your no, lawyer that's eyes right. like, wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> nope, but no. I, it says it here on the page. <laughs> right, that's right, right. what I'm reading. <laughs> um, so their sentence, um, so they wanted to have their sentence was suspended. So they wanted to have it filed for, um, uh, filed a motion to vacate the judgment. But the danger was if they reopened the case, if they were, if they could be rejected, like put back in jail for right. five years. Um, so, um, on October 28th, 1964, after waiting almost a year for a response for their motion, um, the, um, they, um, County court judge in the case, Leon M. Bazile, um, who was born in 1990 and died in 1967. So he, this was in 1964. So he was old as hell. Yeah. Um, and he issued a ruling on the long pending motion. Um, and he wrote, which is, this was what he wrote when he um, denied it. Uh-huh. He wrote, Almighty God created the races white, black, yellow, ma- Malay, and red, and he placed them on separate continents. And but for the interference with his arrangements, there would be no cause for such marriages. The fact that he separated the races shows that he did not intend for the races to mix. And then God struck him down and he died. What? Yeah. And then he, what? it's just like so fucking infuriating. It, what? That's the most ridiculous notion I've ever heard mm-hmm. and so um, antiquated yeah. and just like at this point, you know, this is the sixties. This was in the sixties. Right. And you know, the country was a melting pot and the fact that you would just say that God intended like, oh, I can't. So anyway. God intended this thing, but then also God, if God intended that, then couldn't step in when things started mixing up, you know what I mean? It's like the, the logic is, um, is so flawed and that the only reason behind it, the only reason to say that is racism. Like exactly that's racism, and that's hatred, that's racism, that's fear. That's, you know, all of the things. And so any other, any other reason, like anything you try to reason, like legal reason or that God said that it's all, it's yeah. so flimsy. It's just a house of cards. Yes. For the and dumb racist home. <laughs> Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was all just nothing but pure racism. In fact, segregation was like, you know, the real meaning behind segregation was to keep people apart sexually. You know, like that's what they wanted. It had like, you know, drinking from two different fountains and being in two different, they just didn't want people mixing because they didn't want them to um, mix sexually. Right. And, um, and it just, um. And to keep white people white. It's just, yeah, I can't. We, I can't. I can't right now. <laughs> um, so anyway, so they appealed in Virginia Supreme Court, and they were denied. Um, and because basically no Virginia state court was going to rule in their favor. Right. Um, it just was known. And so they appealed and denied, and then they went to the Supreme Court, which only takes like one out of 400 cases. The odds are so slim mm-hmm. that you will even have your case heard. But um, right, but this was right after Brown versus Board of Education, yeah. so it was like a really important, um, you know, issue to address. And um, so, and in the meantime, the Lovings were secretly living in Virginia, like like very quietly, um, you know, just because they couldn't live in D.C. anymore, and they also needed to be, you know, to have standing, to yeah. yeah. To in order to sue the state, they had to be breaking the law that they were exactly. trying to overturn. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, on 
uh, April 10th, 1967, um, the Loving versus State of Virginia oral arguments were held at the Supreme Court. And they argued, their lawyers argued that marriage is a fundamental right and liberty, and that, um, and then the counter, like, you know, argument was that they said, uh, made an argument for the safety of children. Mm-hmm. Like, bullshit, bullshit. It's not what that was about. Right. Anyway, so um, Richard didn't want to go to court. He was just like, like, he, they just were private people. They were yeah. quite peaceful people. And he, he, you know, they were, they didn't want the publicity and they were, plus they were secretly living in Virginia. So they just didn't want, you know, all the backlash too that they were getting, like Mildred's mother's house, like somebody burned a cross at her mother's house. Like they just needed to be safe for them and their kids. And so he didn't even go to court and, um, and you know, his, uh, his attorney um cohen asked him you know what do you want me to say mm-hmm. when i go on behalf of you and he just said you know tell the court i love my wife and it's just unfair that i can't live with her in virginia yeah like, that was it and just so, like so simple right? I know. It's like it's that's, so simple. that's exactly just right let me live with my wife yeah. um and so on june 12 1967 um the, the lawyers got a call that the ruling would be the next day and when they went um they found out that it was a unanimous decision um, that's nine to zero. Mm-hmm. So Supreme Court um, unanimous ruling that interracial, interracial marriage would be legal in all states. Woohoo! Woohoo! Victory! They said under our Constitution, the freedom to marry or not marry a person of a ra- another race resides with the individual and cannot be infringed by the state. Um, all convictions must be reversed. It is so ordered. So anybody else that was previously. Oh. Uh, um, arrested or yeah. convicted of interracial marriage had to be reversed, which is amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, so the loving the case of Loving versus Virginia overturned bans uh, against inter, interracial marriages in sixteen states. Um, and but despite the ruling, like many states, still resisted change, um, including Alabama. Did you know that Alabama was the last to? Um, to change, and then they even repealed its anti-miscegenation laws in 2000. Yes. In 2000? Yeah. You did know that? I did know that. What the hell? Come on, Alabama. <laughs> um, so nine years after their exile from Virginia, they were finally home. Um, sadly, eight years after that, Richard and Mildred were hit by a drunk driver. <gasps> I know. And Richard was killed, which is heartbreaking but mildred um lived a long life surrounded by her family in the home that richard had built for her and she continued um, throughout her life to um to fight for um the uh, for to fight for civil liberties and rights and to fight for gay marriage which yeah. is great. And so I kind of, I want to read this thing that she wrote, which I just think is so beautiful. It's a little long, but I think it's beautiful. Um, in June, 2007 on the 40th anniversary of the Supreme court's decision in loving, um, Mildred wrote, my generation was bitterly divided over something that should have been so clear and right. The majority believed that what the judge said that it was God's plan to keep people apart and that government should discriminate against people in love. But I have lived long enough now to see big changes. The older generation's fears and prejudices have given way. And today young people realize that if someone loves someone, they have a right to marry surrounded. I'm sorry. Surrounded as I am now by wonderful children and grandchildren. Not a day goes by that. I don't think of Richard and our love, our right to marry and how much it meant to me that freedom to marry the person precious to me even if others thought it was the quote-unquote wrong kind of person for me to marry. I believe all Americans, no matter their race, no matter their sex, no matter their sexual orientation, should have the same freedom to marry. Government has no business imposing some people's religious beliefs over others, especially if it, de- if it denies people's civil rights. I'm not a political person, but I am proud that Richards and my name is on a court case that can help reinforce the love, the commitment, the fairness, and the family that so many people, black or white, young or old, gay or straight, seek in life. I support the freedom to marry for all. That's what loving and loving are all about. Oh, give me chills. I know. Isn't it beautiful? It is beautiful. I just love this story. And I think it also speaks to what we were talking about last week um, when it comes to gay marriage. Yeah. Um, you know, Sally and I fully support it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
We so, are for it. That is the story of Richard and Mildred loving. Oh, I love it. Thank you for doing that. I think you did great. Thank you. Okay, Jen, should we do our things we love and things that are dumb? Sure. Um, so I love that people are writing in and telling us their stories. And I actually wanted so to, um, I wanted to share one that actually came from my like best friend, Erin. I actually, I think I mentioned her on another podcast, but, um, she is a doctor and, uh, and she's so funny. We call her Dr. Dude fuck, um, <laughs> because she can like fit the words dude and fuck into any sentence. And when, before she went to med school, we used to be like, oh, you're going to be like, uh, talking to patients and be like, dude, you're fucked. <laughs> Um, but she's actually an amazing, an amazing doctor, um, in Colorado. She's going to be the next like E doctor star. (laughs) Right. Dr. Dr. Dude Dude Fuck. Fuck. MD or whatever. (laughs) Um, so this is, this is a story she wrote in. She said, this is a little story from when I was in residency in Chicago. I was the intern assigned to the CCU cardiac critical care unit when I met this 90 year old woman, her husband, she was getting on a cardiac monitor for an issue with arrhythmia. And she was stable, and as an on-care provider, I was going over her symptoms, history, and detailing what she could expect for the night and for the morning. Her husband was there, too, also in his 90s. So they made nothing but eye contact with me during my spiel, but I kept looking at their hands. They were interlocked and clenched tightly. They listened to everything I had to say. I wasn't even listening to me. Uh, They had something else going on. It was already late, and visiting hours were over. Uh, so I asked if she needed a snack or water or blankets for the night. She shook her head no, but then motioned him with a finger to follow me. He came into the hallway and took a minute. I was prepared for like worried questions, for the pauses, for the discomfort. I knew she was okay, but thought he might not realize this. He then asked me for a cot, a blanket, and a pillow, and if the hospital had one to spare. I said, well, we don't usually allow family overnight in the CCU and reinforced for him the benefit of a good night's sleep and said that I'd be up watching her and would call him if anything changed. He smiled, patient with my inexperience in youth. He said in the most humble of ways, we've been married for over 60 years. In all that time, we've never been apart one night. I traveled for work, but I always made it home. I will be staying with her tonight. Aww. And so Erin says, her, her my heart simultaneously went through the floor and the roof. And she's like, yes, sir, no problem. The cat will be here in a minute, and I'll grab the rest. Oh, how sweet. I know. It's very sweet. So thank you, Erin. Thank you, Erin. <laughs> Dr. Dude. Dr. DF. Um, <laughs> that was a beautiful story. I remember when she told me that when she was in residence, she was like, oh, man. And then I also was like, God, can you imagine not being apart from your husband one night? Oh my <laughs> like, gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, we all need it, but um, good love story. Um, okay, so that was my my thing I love, but I actually um, have a, two, some other things. So my dumb thing was, um, is my mom is, her her health is not great, and um, and that is dumb because she is like this yeah. vibrant, wonderful woman and she's not able to do all the things she wants to do right now, which is super frustrating. But um, what I love is that we, um, I took my son to go visit her and, and my brother um, over the weekend. It was just, it's just so nice. I don't know. I know this is so cliche, but like, I feel like one of the biggest joys in life is seeing my kid have a relationship with my family, you yeah. know, with, it's just so cool to see my brother and Max are just like peas in a pod and they yeah. actually share a birthday and seeing like Max and my mom, just like how happy, you know, they are. And, and so that, that was really just made, made me happy to see that and to see them like interact. So those are yeah. my oh, dumb and, and love things. Those are good. Those are all, well, besides your mom being sick, everything is good, but right. how is your mom right now? I think she, she's doing okay. Good. She's doing all right. She's, she's at home and she's doing okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Um, so my something dumb is I'm going to touch on a couple of corrections that my husband pointed out. Uh-huh. To me <laughs> okay. So on episode four, I, uh, talked about the, uh, the gift that my husband's best friend gave me that was like the signed menu. Oh yeah. 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 Birth- from your birthday. I, I did forget. I totally forgot this, but I, I, when I told the story, I said that he gave me a menu and a frame and then I was like, Oh cool. Where am I going to put this menu? I totally forgot that the reason that he framed the menu is he got every single person at the party to sign it. Oh, well, that's so nice. it had every single person's signature on it. Uh, which is so sweet and so thoughtful, like still- I said, especially for a dude. But I still didn't know where to hang it. <laughs> um, so, but Mark, Zach was like, I listened to your episode today. 
real nice, Jen, real nice. <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't know. And, and he was like, you know, Mark put a lot of thought. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I totally forgot. You're like, he, I said, you said that he put a lot of thought into I it. I know. It just is, you know, it's like, where do you, where do you hang a menu? And then if same, you're not a restaurant. Same for the pictures of the feet in the sand. Did he you get that wrong too? Who, who it was that gave, no, I, I said what it was. It was what it was. But he, he reminded me that the person that gave it to me and they're very lovely and I, yes. Okay, so my something dumb is I'm a piece of shit. I'm a big, big piece of shit. Well, you know, it made me think of that I forgot what? when you were telling that story was that a few years back, Ben's mom gave me a a handprint that he had made when he was like a child. Uh, sweet, right? Like <laughs> framed. Um, but the handprints are red paint. So it looks like red rum? Yes, it looks like, and I'm just like, where the fuck am I supposed to put this? And I've never hung it up, but I know she's probably like, and for, and also, you know, but I just oh was like, God. I mean, it's very sweet. I love that she's like, here, I want you to have these, be the keeper of these treasures now. But I was like, uh, oh I'm, my not, God. I'm not putting that on my wall. I stayed at an Airbnb in North Carolina when I was doing a comedy festival there, and um my room had all these framed pictures of red children's handprint, but like no like names are discussed, just like red handprints <laughs> all over the wall. It looked like a kill room. Oh, I stayed at a and, at an Airbnb in Nebraska that was like all creepy dolls like that. Yeah, there were creepy dolls like, there yeah. too. Oh what god, the heck? no. And so my other correction is um, on episode five when I we talked about um, gay marriage, and I talked about how my friends Seth and Rob. Um, were married, and I, I think I believe I said for a while before they were legally married. Um, yeah. When it, they were actually, um, when I was talking to them about it the other night, they reminded me they're like, no, we were only married for like a month before. Uh, so they got married, oh, really? and then it got legalized like a month later, and they were like, like <laughs> no. But um, but it's still a beautiful story. Yes, they were like the ones um, who were was like the fifth. They were the fifth couple in the state of Georgia. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my son, those are my. Done things. I'm sorry. If I'm. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Um, Jen, but also she's just I'm like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my something that I love is. Um, I, I'm just gonna shamelessly plug. I've been working real hard on a comedy festival that's happening yeah. here in Georgia with uh, Mike Albanese and Gilbert Lowland. It's called the Red Clay Comedy Festival, and I'm super stoked because we just found out that um, our Third headliner, we have we already have Janelle James and Maria Bamfer, which amazing. is amazing. And we just found out that Roy Scoville is coming. That's so, so great. So dope. We're, and we have a lot of um, other people on the lineup. It's going to be so much fun. It's October 4th and 5th. If you live in Atlanta or in the South, it's not that far of a drive. Yeah. Uh, you can I heard, buy tickets now. Yeah. I had, I mean, I, before I, way before I knew you, I had heard so many great things about Red Clay. Yeah. And I always was like, I have to apply to that. I have to remember to apply. But yeah, it's so, it's such it's has such a good reputation and that's so amazing that you and now I'm like I feel like you're like friends with someone famous oh me yeah yeah right no um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like I said if you're in the area um and or within driving distance or you want to fly it's worth the flight uh you can check us out on redclaycomedy.com do it tickets do it and thank you guys and please um if you haven't uh given us a review Give us a review and a rating, five stars if you can, and subscribe, um, subscribe and tell a friend. Um, and join, uh, find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all at Dumb Love Podcast. And um, our email is dumblovepod at gmail.com. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you next week. Dumb, dumb, dumb.